Good morning. You know, I love sitting with my family before coming up here, and I typically do when they're here at 9 o'clock. But one of my actual favorite places to stand when you are singing is right back here because it's an amphitheater. Just all of the music just surrounds me back there. And you guys, this morning, great are you, Lord. What an amazing statement to make on a day like today when this afternoon we're looking for great football, right? But today it's great are you, Lord. And I'm so glad you're here this morning. It's uh, good to see you on this beautiful winter day. Hey, before we get into the message, the Elder Board has asked uh, for me to remind you that this is the season for you to be making nominations for future Elder Boards. And so if you know a guy here at Trinity who fulfills 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1 qualifications, they're already engaged in ministry and service somewhere in the life of our church, because that's something important for a uh, spiritual leader. And... Uh, if you know that they would probably desire the role, would you let the elders know? And the way you do that is to write to them. If you're not familiar with their email, it's very simple. It is TC, which stands for Trinity Church, tcelders at trinityonline.org. So that's tcelders at trinityonline.org. And they would love to hear from you. So please take time to do that. And, uh, and we appreciate it. Hey, today we are continuing in our series in uh, 2 Peter 1, where uh, God encourages you and I to make every effort to add to our faith, to have this life that he has designed for us, this divine gift of participating in the divine nature. And um, over the last three weeks, we've taken a look at three of those qualities to add to our faith. So we've looked at goodness, which, as you remember, if you actually look at the back of your sermon notes you'll probably see a chart there i think goodness may still be on there some of the older qualities are dropping off as we add new ones but goodness is recognizing that there is an ardent passionate christian life that god invites us to live so it's not just being nominal or apathetic in our faith it's actually pursuing following christ with excellence add goodness to our faith secondly and bill uh, taught us this a couple weeks ago we need to add knowledge to our faith and that's that intimate face-to-face -face daily experience of Jesus Christ. It's not a distant observation. It's upfront and up close of walking with Jesus on a daily basis. And then last week, we talked about self-control, right, which begins to focus us toward the world. The first qualities, faith, goodness, and knowledge focus us on Jesus and our relationship to him. But self-control begins to focus us on the world and on, as we called it, the beast within, the old man, the flesh. And it's resisting those things that tempt us in the world. It's resisting the desires of the, of the flesh. So today we get to another quality that also connects with our world. And it is the quality of perseverance. Some of your translations would probably say steadfastness. I think that's the ESV. Steadfastness, tenacity, hanging in there for all your worth. And it's the second quality that has to do with the world around us, but this quality faces off against challenging circumstances that we're going to face in the world. And it says to us, hang in there. In fact, there's a story, if you haven't heard of Hang On Hank Dempsey, I'd like to share that with you this morning. Uh, Captain Dempsey made part of aviation history several years ago when he was piloting a 15-passenger Beechcraft 99 commuter plane. So he's going from Maine to Massachusetts. This was his regular route. But on this historic flight, he and his uh, co-pilot, Paul Boucher, were only carrying freight. 
Now, earlier in the day, on an earlier flight, they'd had passengers, one of whom had become airsick. And so on this flight, as they've got this freight, Captain Dempsey said to Paul Boucher, would you mind going back into the plane and opening up the air vents? We need to refresh the air here a little bit. So Paul did. He went back into the plane, and as he was opening up the air vents, he noticed that the rear entry door had uh, the sound of air leaking from around it. So he made a mental note, and he came back to the front, and he told Dempsey about it, and he said, we need to put this on the maintenance report. And Dempsey said, of course, we'll do that. Well, Captain Dempsey also was curious to look for himself, so he went back, and as he was getting to the back part of the plane, right next to the door, the plane hit turbulence, and he was thrown against the door with his right shoulder, and the door opened, and he went flying out into empty airspace. Now, fortunately for him, uh, this entry door was also the stairway to the plane in the back, so it had stairs leading up to it, and... Um, as he was going out of the plane, he just grabbed for anything he could find, and he got a hold of the handles. Uh, uh, you can see right up here the, uh, the handrail that goes up with the stairs. Well, back in the cabin, the co-pilot saw the door a jar light was on, right? And so he looks back into the cabin, but there's nobody there. And so he radios the Coast Guard, and he says, hey, you need to go look for Captain Dempsey. He went flying out of the plane uh, over uh, Casco Bay below into the Atlantic. Well, fortunately for Hank, as he's hanging on there, he is actually upside down. His head is by the foot of the stairs. One foot is inside the cabin, inside the plane. And he's looking straight up, hanging on for dear life. And fortunately, he's at 5,000 feet, right? So he can breathe. But the plane is going 190 miles an hour. And so the wind is doing everything it can to greedily rip him off of the stairs. Well, the closest airport was Portland, Maine, Jetport. And so the pilot, a co-pilot, begins to divert there. And 10 minutes later, he's coming in on final approach. So poor Hank, and you can see why he got his nickname, Hang On, Hank. He's hanging on for dear life over these 10 minutes. And uh, as they're coming in for the final approach, uh, Paul puts on the um, uh, flaps, lowers the flaps, which temporarily blocked the wind. And so Hank decided this is the moment he begins to inch his way back up the stairway because his head actually was hanging off the stairs. And he's thinking, it's going to be cheese on a cheese grinder of the asphalt runway if I don't. And so he, he runs himself up a little bit on the stairway, and the plane lands, and sure enough, the stairs hit the asphalt, so it's a good thing he was up. His head was about six inches from the asphalt runway. And after uh, Paul taxied and, and parked, emer emergency crew members came out, thinking they were going to have to do something with the door, and there they found Hang On Hank Dempsey, hanging on for dear life, so much so it took them a full five minutes to pry his fingers loose. Hang on, Hank. This is perseverance, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, we hope God never calls us to exercise it in the same way, but this is tenacity, this is resolve, this is steadfastness, it is staying power. And sometimes in Hank's case, with things like this, perseverance is suddenly and dramatically demanded of us because of life circumstances, right? They're unexpected. We didn't expect to be thrown into this situation. And so perseverance, tenacity simply is a must. Other times, it is a personal choice that we have as in the case of Brock Purdy. Now, you knew I had to bring the Super Bowl in here somewhere, right? 
So I don't know what team you're going to be rooting for today, but I have come to appreciate Brock Purdy as a follower of Jesus Christ. He has an amazing testimony, but when he first came into the NFL, you may be familiar with this story, he was given the title Mr. Irrelevance because he was the final pick in the NFL draft that year. And it's true, since 1976, the last pick, his was 262nd. He was the very last guy picked by the 49ers. They're given that title, Mr. Irrelevance, like, doesn't matter, you're not going to do anything in the league. And so he became the third-string quarterback for the 49ers, but with his determination coupled with God's providence, he is playing as the leading starting quarterback today in the Super Bowl. He had perseverance, staying power, tenacity. So you look at these examples, and, and God urges us today to pursue this same quality in our lives, to be persevering, to be tenacious, to be people who hang in there for all your worth. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I hope you do, please open them to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read for us the first opening verses, and then we'll take a look at this quality together that God encourages us to have. And I'm reading from the ESV this morning. 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. By the way, who is that again? Raise your hand if you know who that is. It's you. You can raise your hand, yes. You are the ones, he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. You remember we talked about this faith. It's by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, he begins this discussion of the life he wants us to have. And he says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There it is right there. You can have it all in this lifestyle, in this way of living. It is through the knowledge of him who called us to, to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his very precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. And then he says... For this very reason, because all of this is true, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement, to add to your faith. And here's the list he gives us with virtue, which is goodness, with knowledge, with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. And your translations, some of them read perseverance, tenacity, resolve, staying power. Now, I, th I think if Peter were to tell us the story today about hanging on Hank, he would not use the English word perseverance. He would use his Greek word, which is a two-part word in the Greek language, and it was simply hupomeno. Hupomeno. And the first, the first word, hupo, it, we usually pronounce it hypo. And we use it in a lot of English terms like hypodermic needle, which simply means the needle goes under the skin. Hypo is under. We use it in terms like hypothermia. Lisa and I were up in the mountains yesterday. It was cold. But hypothermia is when your body temperature is under normal. It's below what it should be. So he says, first of all, you need to have this quality which is going to be under something. He goes on to say uh, this second part of the word, meno, uh, is Peter's word for remaining or abiding, for a person who stays in one place. And Jesus loved this word too. 
In fact, we find in John chapter 15, he uses it a lot in uh, John 13 through 16. But here in verse 7, he says, if you abide, that's the word meno, if you remain in me, and my words meno remain or abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You hear the power of that? He said, if you will be remaining or staying in me, living within the context of my life and my values and my dreams and desires, if you're going to stay in me, and if my word is going to stay in you, you're going to be a student of the word of God. You're going to let it permeate your thoughts and minds. When you have those things going on in you, you can ask whatever you wish and God will do it for you because it's in line with what I desire. But you have to remain. And he says, this is the number one requirement for a prayer, a powerful prayer life. You want a powerful prayer life? You have to meno, remain in Jesus, and his words have to meno, remain in you. And he says, beyond that, ask whatever you wish. So putting these two words together, as Peter begins to describe this for us, he says it is to stay put and persevere when we're feeling overwhelmed by the problems and pressures of life. When everything is pushing in and crowding down and the stress is on, he says, when we have this perseverance, this hupomeno, we don't have to run away from life's pressures. We can hang in there under them because of how God is working in us. So it's a frame of mind. It's this perspective that says, I'm going to remain unmoved when I face difficulty, when I have distress in my life. I don't need to toss in the towel at the first sign of trouble because I am hupomenoing in Christ. It's this determination of heart that withstands the pressures of, of this world system and its opposition to our life of faith. Hupomeno. So when we have perseverance, we are not going to despair at the world's curses or canceling of our Christian behavior in life. So it's hanging in there. It's not giving up. It's not giving in. And it's this beautiful companion, isn't it? to self-control, which literally was get a grip on yourself. And then Peter says, and by the way, don't give up when the world presses in. I think we desperately need this in our Christian lives today, in our world today. But folks, just like, just like a beautifully shaped surfboard, and I have one hanging in my entryway from the very first church we served in San Clemente. They gave that to us, a beautiful surfboard. Just like that, or a, a, a superbly designed Maserati, those things don't happen by mistake. Would you agree with that? They don't just show up on your wall or in your driveway. It requires pursuit. So how do we pursue this today? I think that's the question Peter would have us ask. How does this happen in my life? And there's two things I want to point out to you, and they're both on your sermon notes. They'll be up on the screen in just a second. But number one, it is we begin by realizing that God is in control of all things in our world, and he works for our good. Now, many of you have memorized Romans 8, 28, right? I'm sure that we could have many of you stand up and just quote it. We won't, but here it is. It says in the NSV or NIV, and we know that in all things, God works. He's in control. In all things, he is at work. And notice it is for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So this is the starting point for persevering. It's coming to a perspective that says God controls all things so I don't have to, right? And isn't that one of the reasons why we get distressed? Life is out of control. 
But if God is in control and he's working all things together for the good, I can relax. I can persevere. And secondly, if God is working for my good, I just need to hang in there until the good arrives because he's working for my good. I love him, and I've been called according to his purpose. He's going to take care of me. Now, I love, because I love to teach the Old Testament, I love Daniel chapter 3 because this is where we see the same quality brought into the Old Testament. So if you have your place kind of um, in Second Peter, hold on to that, but turn to Daniel chapter 3. And I want to read this story for you because we see three 20-somethings, three young adults, who are in an environment that is incredibly hostile to their faith. And they are called at, at one point to demonstrate their perseverance in that faith. So if you look at Daniel chapter 3, we'll just read about 10, 12 verses or so, but it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold image whose height was 90 feet tall. So you've got a nine-story gold image, and it's nine feet wide. And he sets this up in the plain of Dura there in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather uh, all of the satraps and the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So it's all of the leaders of this global empire. He was literally the most powerful person in the world at that time. And so he invites all of his minions, all of his leaders to come. And it says in verse 3 that these men gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that he had set up, and the herald proclaimed this message aloud. He said, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. So now we realize it's actually more than just the leaders. It's as many people as, as could be brought to the plain of Dura. He says, All of you, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, I don't know what a trigon is, maybe you can help me afterwards, harp, bag, bagpipe, Yes, this is in the Scottish part of Babylon. <laughs> and every kind of music. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Now, I looked it up this week. Do you know what temperature wood ignites at? When you put the wood... Uh, on a fire and you get it going, the temperature is 572 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a hot fire. And so everybody's looking at this furnace and they're, and they're thinking, gosh, I don't want to be a part of that bonfire. And so verse 7 says, therefore, as soon as all of the peoples heard the sound of all of these instruments, all of the people's nations and images fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. And they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You made this decree that every man who hears the sound of these instruments should fall down and worship the golden image. Whoever doesn't is going to be thrown into this furnace. But there are certain Jews. In fact, it's the three guys right over there who, uh, who won't worship it. They're not falling down. And you appointed them over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Now notice the next few verses, 13 through 16. Nebuchadnezzar's in this furious rage, and he commands that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. And he, they're brought before the king, and he says to them, Is it true, guys, 
that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image I've set up. Now, if you're ready to fall down when you hear the sound of the music and worship the image I've made, well and good. But if you don't worship, you will be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Boy, what a challenge to Yahweh. What a challenge to God who sees all and hears all. What a powerful statement. That is why everyone is on their knees and noses in the plain of Dura, except for these three guys. And I want you to notice in verse 16 their reply, because here is where we see perseverance. Here is where we see them looking to God and saying, God, you control all things. You uh, work all things out for good for those who love you. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They're saying, O king, this is a no-brainer. We really don't have to take time to mull this over. We don't need to think about it uh, long and hard as to what we're going to say to you. Verse 17, if this be so, if this is the way things are going to go, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. What are they saying? I think they're simply saying, God is in control of all things. He's going to work all things out for our good. We're going to be perseverant. We're going to be steadfast. We're going to be tenacious. And we are not going to give up our faith in God. And, and you know the story, right? We're not going to go to that this morning. They are thrown in to this incredibly hot, fiery furnace. The men who threw them in die from the heat exposure, and Jesus meets them in the furnace and watches over them. Does God do that all the time? No, because his purposes vary in our lives. But he did for them to demonstrate to us God is in control, and he takes care of us. He works all things out for good. So the question is, do you and I need this kind of stamina in our world today? Are we in need of such amazing perseverance in our lives? And I think, yes, the answer is yes, we do. There's a gal, Mary Eberstadt, who wrote a book called It's Dangerous to Believe, Religious Freedom and Its Enemies. And she writes this. It'll be up on the screen for you. She says, lately, some of the faithful have paid unexpected prices for their beliefs. The teacher in New Jersey suspended for giving uh, a student a Bible. The football coach in Washington placed on leave for saying a prayer on the field at the end of the game. The fire chief in Atlanta fired for self-publishing a book defending Christian moral teaching on marriage. The Marine who was court-martialed for pasting a Bible verse above her desk and other examples of a new intolerance. And she goes on to say some Christian institutions face pressure to conform to secularist ideology or else. Flagship evangelical schools like Gordon College in Massachusetts or King's College in New York have had their accreditation questioned. Some secularists argue that Christian schools don't deserve accreditation, period. Activists have targeted homeschooling for being a Christian thing. Atheist Richard Dawkins and others have even called it tantamount to child abuse. Student groups like InterVarsity have been kicked off campuses, Christian charities, uh, including adoption agencies, Catholic hospitals, crisis pregnancy centers, have become objects of attack. And we know that these challenges are not diminishing around us. We know that. And so 
we know that when God is in control of our world, it prompts a, a calm perseverance. We don't need to panic because we know that he works all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we start there. But secondly, and I think this is really important, we need to reflect on the perseverance of Jesus so that we don't lose heart. We need to look at the one who has persevered the most of anyone in human history. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. And isn't that what happens when we get under all of this pressure? Right? We get weary. We begin to lose heart. This is hard. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This is a very difficult moment in my life. The author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author of your faith, the perfecter of your faith. This is what Peter is going through in his own life. And endure, persevere, be steadfast. Now, we can look at a passage like this and we can say, well, how did Jesus do that? Have you ever wondered that? How did he persevere? What were the tools and tricks of his trade, so to speak, where he was able to endure the suffering of the cross? Well, there were two things, and you might write them down. Number one was his time in the Word. His Bible was the Old Testament. And he spent time in it. In fact, you remember one of the, the two great moments of testing in his life was when he was in the wilderness facing off with Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And you remember in the New Testament, it says he would reply to Satan time and again, it is written, it is written, it is written. So he would go back to the word of God and he would say, look, the word of God is what sustains me in this pressure. The second was in the garden before the cross. And his tool there was, we read in the text, going a little further into the garden, he fell to the ground and prayed. And so as we look at the life of Jesus, when we are feeling uh, worn out, when we are afraid in our struggles against the world challenges, Jesus would encourage us to take time to be in the Word of God. Take time to be in prayer. These resources will give you the perseverance you're looking for. In fact, we find that <clears throat> in, in uh, psychology and science even today, they say the two Christian practices that most help you when you are distressed or discouraged, you want to know what they are? Solitude and silence being in God's presence quietly. And how hard is that today, right, in the pace of our lives? Paul writes to us in Colossians 1.11, and he says, We pray that you will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Why? So that you might have great endurance and patience. The word of God, prayer, modeled by Jesus, encouraged for us is what helps us in our perseverance now there's two outcomes to this kind of life and i think they're so great number one is perseverance builds our character and gives us hope you wouldn't think that would be true would you that going through hard times would give you hope but notice what paul says in romans 5 having been justified by faith that's you and i we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ that's you and i through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this race in which we stand, and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, 
we also celebrate in our tribulations. Woohoo! I've got tough times. Right on. How often do we respond that way? I don't necessarily. But he says we celebrate in our tribulations. Now notice he goes on to say, we know that tribulation brings out perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We are to celebrate when we are in the midst of difficult moments. Those pressures of life, the opposition to your faith, we are to celebrate that because we know, he says, that it produces amazing things. Tribulation produces perseverance when we are getting close to Christ. We're having this intimate knowledge with him. We're living out the Christian life. Perseverance produces proven character. We get strong in our faith. We get strong in our Christian values. And proven character results in hope because we realize God is doing something here. He's perfecting me through it all. So tribulation, folks, this is so important for us. Tribulation is God's gift to you and I to produce life and hope. Think about that. The hard times of your life is a gift of God to produce Christian character and hope. Some of you may be familiar with uh, Gary Richmond. He's a former uh, veterinarian, actually, at the L.A. Zoo. And he's now a pastor, but he wrote a book, A View from the Zoo. Uh, it's an older book, but it's a, a great book because in it, he, he talks about this whole thing of, of difficulties, how, why God brings them into our lives. And he tells the story of how baby giraffes are born. It's a fascinating story. I want to read it for you just briefly. He says, when a baby giraffe is being born, the first thing that emerges are the baby's hooves and head. And you can go on to Google this. I watched a couple videos this week. Boy, that's true. Ten feet off the ground. Head and hooves coming out. And he goes on to say, a few minutes later, the plucky newborn is hurled forth, falls 10 feet, lands on its back. Within seconds, he rolls to an upright position with its legs tucked under his body. And from this position, he considers the world for the first time, and he shakes off all the vestiges of birthing fluid from his eyes and ears. And the mother giraffe lowers her head long enough to take a quick look. And then she positions herself directly over the calf, and she waits for about a minute. And then she does the most unreasonable thing. She swings her long, pendulous leg outward and kicks her baby so it is sent sprawling head over heels. He writes, when it doesn't get up, the violent process is repeated over and over again. The struggle to rise is momentous. As the baby calf grows tired, the mother kicks it again to stimulate its efforts. I'm glad we don't do this with our babies, you know. <laughs> but there's a reason for it. Finally, the calf stands for the first time on its wobbly legs. Then the mother giraffe does the most remarkable thing. She kicks it off its feet again. What is she doing? Why, he says, she wants it to remember how it got up. In the wild, baby giraffes must be able to get up as quickly as possible in order to stay with the herd where there is safety. Lions, hyenas, leopards, wild hunting dogs all enjoy young giraffe. And they get it, too, if the mother doesn't teach her calf to get up quickly and get with it. And so he concludes this story. He says, there are days you and I likely feel you've been kicked like that newborn giraffe. There are various kinds of troubles in life that find us, though we don't want them. We don't seek them out, but they arrive, not knocking, but kicking down our front door, boldly intruding on our lives 
and tempting us to anxiety, worry, and depression. But God uses trouble and difficulty and kicks in life to prepare us to live life well, just like a mother giraffe does with her baby, knowing the environment in which they are being brought forth is hostile to them, much like our world today, owned by Satan, is hostile to us. So the common reason for trials and pressures is to train us, to develop our character, to give us perseverance and steadfastness, and ultimately hope. And I love, that's why James writes in James 1 this, consider it pure joy. Now pause there. Think about joy. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in anything. You see why God allows these things in our lives? He wants us to be strong. He wants us to hang in there. He wants us to have the hope that he gives us through all of these troubles. There's one more thing that is an outcome I want to just look at this morning with you, and that's the last point on your notes. And it's simply this, that perseverance reveals our new life as believers to a watching world. It reveals who we are as a follower of Jesus Christ. If we didn't go through hard times, that wouldn't be obvious. But because we go through hard times, difficulties, it becomes an evidence of our life as a follower of Jesus. Look at Luke 21. We'll wrap up with this passage. Jesus continued by saying to them, nation will rise against nation, we see that today, kingdom against kingdom. There will be massive earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines, terrible sights, great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, turning you over to the synagogues and, and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors on account of my name. So following Christ, he says, in the last days, it's going to be even harder than it was before that time. And he goes on in verse 13. Notice this. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. I love that. Why does God do this? Because he, he wants to give us that opportunity to testify to what God has done in us, how he's changed us, what he's doing for us, what our future is. And he says, this is your opportunity for a testimony, but make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. Oh, that, I find that hard. I'd be scribbling notes, right, of how I'm going to defend myself to these civil authorities. Don't do it. He says, for I will provide you eloquence and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to oppose or refute. Isn't that a beautiful statement? In the moment, in the midst of your greatest fear and pressure, he says, just relax. I'm going to tell you what to say, and it's going to be eloquent, and it's going to be able to refute all of their arguments. He goes on to say, but you will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives, friends. They will put some of you to death, You'll be hated by all people because of my name, and yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. In the original, it means souls. You'll gain your souls. So Jesus says, let me be clear. As the world clock runs down, and as God prepares this world for the return of Jesus Christ, persecution 
and problems are going to be coming in greater waves to those who are followers of Jesus Christ who claim the name of Jesus. And so you need perseverance. But in those moments, you're going to have an opportunity to declare who it is that you follow and what he has done in your lives. You know, as the worship team comes up to lead us in our closing hymn, which I think is a fantastic way to close our service this morning, singing Firm Foundation, let me just give you one more picture and one more thought. So first of all, it, it comes from a Finnish YouTube channel. Some of you may be uh, people who already have this on your favorites. I don't know. But it's called Hydraulic Press Channel. Anybody watch that at all? Hydraulic Press Channel? Now, it was brand new to me. So the amazing thing is it has 3 million subscribers around the world and 600 million viewers. And 601, because I was viewing this week. So I, I went on and watched some of their videos, uh, partly because as I was... Uh, Thinking about perseverance, I came across a statement uh, from a, uh, a guy named Luke Holmes who actually took this video and talks about it in the Christian life. So this is a very short video clip. There is no, well, there was audio. I cut it out because it was difficult to understand and there were a few other terms you didn't want to hear in church, all right? So the video will give you an idea of what they show on a regular basis and then we're going to look at Luke's comments. Here we go. There's the hydraulic press, ball bearings. That was high speed, here's slow. <laughs> Folks, they have made thousands of this, these videos. They used a deck of cards, ball bearings, metal hammer, a bowling ball, uh, a bag of Skittles. And they just want to see what happens when you compress them and boom, they explode. So I encourage you, go watch a couple. You'll, you'll find them fascinating. But uh, <laughs> Luke Holmes, who is a researcher with LifeWay.com, got kind of hooked on these, and then he realized, oh, this is applicable to us as Christians. And listen to what he says. Everyone knows the feeling of pressure, that experience of being pressed down on all sides until it feels like we can't take it anymore. Perhaps that's why so many have felt catharsis watching these hydraulic press videos. Stress, anxiety, and fear are universal human emotions that everyone can identify with. And then notice he goes back and talks about some of his research. He says a LifeWay uh, research study found that fear was the emotion most people sought to avoid at 41%. Now, this was a study back in 2016. He says this was a change from 2016 when shame was at the top emotion people tried to avoid. In the same study, fear came in last in 2016, but now 41%, four years later at the start of COVID, are saying fear has risen to the top of what most Americans want to avoid. Would you agree with that? We live in a culture that has fear. He goes on to say, that's why Christians should stand out in a world with the message that we will make it through. The message of the cross is that Christ has already endured the worst of what we could suffer and that he bore it on our behalf. No matter what else comes our way, even if it's death itself, it won't defeat us. Through his death on the cross and resurrection, Christ has already defeated it all. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Isn't that true? That's so good. Now listen to this. Every person you and I meet today could use encouragement. More than that, 
They need the good news of the gospel that through Jesus Christ, we will endure. Everyone feels like they just can't go on or that they just want to give up. The message of the Christian life is not that pressures aren't real or that things aren't as bad as they seem. The message of the cross is that God will get us through no matter what the situation. And that is why he says to us, add this to your faith. And, and we do that by looking at the fact that God is in control of all things. He is going to work out good for those who love him. We look at the fact that Jesus persevered, and, and um, we can spend time in the word and time in prayer like he did and, and find the same uh, ability. And perseverance builds our character and our hope. And perseverance says to a watching world, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I can endure, so can you if you will follow me. So would you stand, and let's wrap up our service singing with gusto our closing song, Firm Foundation.